America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Paris. Hey guys, I'm back with another episode. Today we have Noah Centineo. We're going to be talking about his new show that's out on Netflix right now called The Recruit and so much more. So let's do it. Hi, Noah. What's up? So I just want to say congratulations. I'm loving The Recruit on Netflix. Carter and I have been binging it. It's so good. Thank you. Like you killed it. Uh, Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So how was this project? Was it a lot of fun? Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was it was great. We shot in Montreal, so it was the opposite of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It was fucking freezing. But that's better than being fucking hot. I think so. Like mm-hmm. I preferred. I actually really liked it. Um, you just get a jacket, you know. Like yeah. you know, if you get a jacket, I didn't even have gloves. Uh, so I guess it wasn't that cold that I felt it was necessary to get gloves. But it was great. We went there, um, and it was six months. We started in October. And then we finished, I think, in like March. Uh, ended up going to Vienna for a couple weeks, and then f- and then LA for a couple of days. And um, it was definitely the longest I'd ever been away from home to work on something. Yeah. And I, I actually I loved it, and I I got to learn some. Not because like I don't like being at home, or I like didn't miss my friends or my family. There's just something about I think being forced not forced, but like being able to work in another country by yourself for that much time, Mm -hmm. you just get to spend a lot of time alone. Um, and I, I don't know, it was, it was for me like a great experience all around. Yeah. It's fun just to get away sometimes from everything and just be able to focus. Yeah. I love Vienna too. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I got to swim in the river. They have that river that goes around the whole city. Mm -hmm. That was cool. It was freezing cold (laughs) again. Like that, that, it's going to be cold. That's the, the, the thesis statement of this entire podcast will be temperature, whether it's hot or whether it's cold. (laughs) Global warming is not hot. No, not at all. (laughs) 
God. Speaking of which, like the amount of rain and storms that are hitting the entire country right now. I know. Wow. It rained for like three days straight in LA almost. It, felt it was like. crazy. I had to have someone come at like 1030 at night, two nights ago to like unclog like the drain things. Cause oh, it was like literally down. that the pool was like almost about to overflow. It was just like nonstop. Yeah. Like my friends, some of my friends' houses like flooded. Yeah. I saw like, something Ellen posted with like some weird thing like in the background just going crazy it just looked like something out of a movie yeah yeah and the whole country's kind of up in arms about it. it's pretty wild scary. but at least it's sunny today today yeah it stopped raining it's great i yeah. love la i like the rain too though actually like i think for me i don't know why i've always loved the rain. i think it's probably because i'm from florida yeah you're from boca raton right yeah yeah i was born there and uh and it it's such bipolar weather because it'll be super sunny out and then there won't even be a cloud in the sky and it'll be raining. You'll be like, where's this mm-hmm. rain coming from? Sun showers. And then suddenly like torrential downpour. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time in Miami. Um, obviously like living in Florida, I started acting um, out of Miami and West Palm Beach when I was younger. So I was there a lot more when I was younger doing commercials and modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I grew up, like I moved to LA and then when I go back, I just like being, I, my dad has a place in Delray beach. Mm-hmm. So when I go back, I just chill in Delray. I love it there. It's just chill. I go with my parents a lot and mm. I don't know. I just think it's relaxing. Miami is fun to like go out, but I just love going there and the restaurants and just the vibe is just really laid back. I, yeah. don't know, I like it. Yeah. It's, it's a cool place to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not really like, I don't really like going to like clubs or bars even really. So for me though, going back to Florida, it's just a different pace entirely. So even like getting out of Miami and just being able to like sit with my father or like read a book or something. It's really nice. It's cute. Did mm-hmm. you always, were never into the club scene or any of that? No, I was into it when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> I was for sure into it when I was younger, for, especially out here in LA. Yeah. Um, it used to be so much fun. It used to be really fun. I think mm-hmm. like when you're in it, you love it. And then- I kind of grew out of it. Me um, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like after the pandemic too, it's just not the same. Really? Like the vibe is not the same. I don't know. I mean, people never danced in LA when you were going out. Like I remember when I would go out with my friends, um, we would like, I mean, some people would be dancing, but it's different if you're like in Miami, at least I think people dance and like yeah. want to have a good time. But in LA, people just like stand there and like hold a drink and just kind of like look around. <laughs> it's like a weird vibe in general. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> And I feel like social media has just changed the whole vibe. Like back before that, LA was so much fun. Like everyone would go out. No one was worried about who was filming them or going to come up. It was like so sick. That must have been so fucking tight, Ugh. right? Like there wasn't, you didn't have to worry about someone pulling out a phone and like recording you, mm-hmm. like chugging half a bottle of vodka or something. You were just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you did when you were in the club, but like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like probably similar stuff to like what me and my friends like used to do. I mean, when it's like, uh, you're just having a good time and like partying. Oh my God. It was so much fun. There was nothing like it. Like, I feel like people today don't even know what fun is in LA nightlife. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, prob- I probably would have no idea. I mean, when I, I think the last time that like I regularly went out, I was underage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like, by the time you turn 21, you're like, I'm over I'm this. serious. I got sober when I turned 21. The day before I turned 21, I was like, oh, I'm just not going to drink alcohol or do any drugs anymore. And you haven't since? No, that's, I mean, I, it took a year off mm-hmm. and then, um, and worked. And then awesome. after a year, I was like, oh, okay, I think I can manage it. And then for a few more years, I was like, yeah, I'll drink and whatever. 
And then about a year ago, I was like, I think I should take another break. So I've been, I've been technically sober for like just over a year. That's at this awesome. Point. It's cool. It's good for me. Yeah. I like doing it because I get to at least focus, you mm-hmm. know, on everything that I want to do. And um, I feel accountable. Like if I were to show up to like today mm-hmm. and I had been hungover and I, like, I just had like not given it my all. And like afterwards I'd be kicking myself like, man, like if you hadn't drank, whatever, yeah. whatever, at least now I go, if I suck, like I'm totally accountable for why I sucked. Yes. <laughs> you know, I can't blame anything else except for me. <laughs> and it feels good to like wake up, like not hungover. Yeah. It's so nice. Like when I used to go out all the time, I would just feel so dead the next day and just like hating life sometimes. <laughs> and now I like, I don't go out anymore. Like I'm always working. I don't drink. So I'm just feeling like amazing every morning and it's just a different feeling. I know a hundred percent. So do you not, do you not really drink no. either? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I don't even, I don't like the taste of it. Like I think before I was just so traumatized from what I went through at those schools being abused and all that, that I was drowning the pain out and right. like not wanting to think about it from getting out of there at 18 for you know a while. I just was like so consumed with the nightlife and right going out and just not having to think about what happened to me. Right. And I think that's like a huge coping mechanism with people. For Absolutely. Sure. It's like a painkiller. Mm-hmm. You just, why would you don't have to think about it if you're having fun? I just want to have fun and just want to feel euphoric because especially if you've been through something as, as dark, you know, and twisted, then you like last thing you want to do when you're younger is actually confront that. It's yeah, it's, I'm glad I finally did though. Yeah, but was there, it took what, me a while to process that. Can I ask, like, yeah. yeah, like what was there someone, or was it something that made you just go, "I have to like deal with this. I can't not, I can't go on not dealing with this and confronting." It? Was it maybe you just like kept finding yourself repeating patterns, and were like, "I'm done with this pattern," or was it someone that was like, "You need to whatever." Um, it really was something that when I got out of there, I just made a promise to myself that I'm not going to tell anyone about this. Just pretend it never happened because they had really instilled that shame in me, making me think like I was the bad one, even though they were the ones that were being, you know, obviously horrible people. Didn't talk about it with anyone. None of my friends knew. My family didn't know. My sister, my best friends, like boyfriends, no one knew about this. This was like my deep, dark secret. That's crazy. Because so many bad things had happened to me. And when you're a kid, you don't even know how to process things. So I thought I was such a bad person because all of these horrible things that these adults you know, who were supposed to be taking care of me were doing to me. So I didn't trust anyone. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Like I literally just blocked it out from my memory. And that's why I created like this Paris Hilton character and like, oh, I'm like this perfect life and I'm a dumb blonde and like trying to just be the total opposite of what I really was. And then uh, during the documentary, the I always had these severe nightmares every night since I was a teenager, since I'm 16. Right. And they never went away. And it was always the same thing, getting taken out of my bed, kidnapped, brought to these places. And the whole dream, I'm just, all the same teachers are there, the same things are happening to me. And I'm just trying to escape. And it was like a reoccurring nightmare every single night. And finally, I told the director about it because I'm like, I can't sleep. I'm so tired. We're in Korea. I'm on a press tour for my skincare line. I'm so dead. And she's like, why? I'm like, this crazy nightmare. And I told her about it. And then she said well, why do you have those nightmares? I'm like, because it happened to me. But when we were filming and I go, but let's just not talk about it. Like we're not putting this on. And she's like, what do you mean? And then she tried to push me. And then the next morning she came to me with all the like thousands and thousands of articles and stories 
that this was still happening and it's become like a multi-billion dollar industry that's like a $150 billion industry or something. And there's thousands of the schools and it's blown up into this huge thing and nobody is talking about it. And um, she's like, you need to talk about it. And she's like, I found the girls you went to school with, like all this. So it was really just crazy how it all happened, but I'm so glad wow. it did because I didn't even know who I was until this film. It's crazy. That's insane. And was that, it wasn't really until the documentary that you stopped even like drinking and stuff as well. Was it after that, all of that kind of came after? Or was that a little bit before as well? It wasn't like I was drinking every second. I was just like no, yeah. going out and I'm so shy and I get such social anxiety that I need to have like a shot or like totally. a glass of like, I don't know, wine or something just to like not be so embarrassed and not feel so weird walking in. And I don't know, I'm just really like, people wouldn't think that, but I'm such like an uh, introvert who like yeah. pretends to be an extrovert because it's part of my job. Well, you have to, right? Yeah, uh -huh. you learn to do that. So yeah, it's- That's in, it's, that's so like crazy that it, um, but like it's it's wonderful at the same time that that was how this, you were able to talk about it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I have a very privileged upbringing, you know, like I had a very safe childhood and, you know, preteen years and early adolescent years into my twenties. I'd like to, I mean, honestly, the truth is all of the, the danger in my life came from like my own decisions once I moved to LA and like had enough money to take care of myself. Um, but I, but it, like, I, I read this book called a little life. Um, and in it, one of the characters goes through unspeakable trauma um, in his early life um, and refuses to talk about it. Like the whole, his whole mentality was, I'm just going to pretend that this never happened to me, that I'm not this person that was impacted by these things. And I don't want anyone to know. And it's, it's wild. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a reason why the author gave him that perspective and that that identity of of just trying to like create a complete barricade between anyone finding out about them mm -hmm. um and like hearing you talk about it too like it's i can't imagine how many people have gone through something where they feel the same way mm -hmm. it's been just that's been one of the best parts is just the people who have reached out to me and said thank you so much for telling your story I haven't spoken to my parents in years because of this. Now they finally believe me. People thought I was crazy for all these years. And now I finally feel validated for what I went through. And now to be changing laws in seven states, taking it to a federal level. So this is illegal everywhere. So everything I went through, all the pain, all the trauma would be make it worth it to me if I can stop it from happening to other kids. And that's why I'm just going to continue fighting for this. And Thank you so much for everything that you're doing with all of your charity work and helping me raise awareness for this. And it just means a lot. You're a really cool dude. No, man. <laughs> it goes both ways. Like I appreciate you like letting letting us get involved. I mean, I you know, I had no idea. I had no idea that this was going on um until until we met and started talking mm -hmm. and I learned about what you were doing. Um and it's it's important. Is there is there anything that like um that anyone can do to like get involved and help push the agenda, You're like getting these laws passed and movement? Definitely. Just going and signing our petition to shut down Provo Canyon School, which is at change.org and using the hashtag breaking code silence and ICU survivor. If you search on those, you'll find out so much that's going on. And if people also want to tell their stories, um, like 
go to the website and we also have a podcast dedicated to it that I produce called Trapped in Treatment, which is all about the troubled teen industry. And um, yeah, just as much awareness as we can raise as possible is important because there's literally been hundreds of children who have died. And it's just, it's heartbreaking that kids are going in there to be healed and instead they're being traumatized and killed. Wow. Yeah, the fact that that is still happening is just wild. Um, Like you would think that, you know, in 2023 with the the internet as it is and the way that stories travel and how people can congregate and share their stories, something like this doesn't even catch fire until one person, you know, namely you decides to go, I'm going to speak out about this publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, You would think that it would have been uncovered already. And it begs the question, I wonder how many, how many other things are going on that, that just haven't been uncovered yet because someone is too afraid to come forward and say something. Oh yeah. There's so many, they do scare tactics. They sue these people. They call, threaten their families. Like I've heard so many stories where people are just too scared to say anything. And these are, these are programs. Are they, I, I can you tell me more? Like I, if that's okay, mm-hmm. if we can talk about it. Yeah, of course. Okay. I love talking about it cause I think it's important. So thank you for caring. Yeah, of course. I'm, and I'm just curious too. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone that's ignorant of the, of, of, of the, of the programming in itself. Mm-hmm. So are these schools that kids are sent to, uh, that have bad, be- that kids are thought to have bad behavior and they get so kind of like, I don't know, wilderness camp or is it, is it's, it, it's a mixture of everything. Like I went to four of them mm-hmm. because I kept running away and I went to wilderness as well, which was horrible. And that place is shut down because a lot of kids died there. Whoa. Um, and they're they're called emotional growth schools. So they kind of con the parents or they very much con the parents into thinking it's an amazing place. They have fake brochures and websites where their kids are smiling and they get stock photos of like kids riding horses and like, you know, doing all these amazing things. And you think that they're going to go and be happy in, in this beautiful place. But when you get there, it's like a cult, like it started as a cult in the 1960s and it's, all of these people have like realized how profitable it is. So they would go out and other people who would work there would go and open their own. So now there's just like thousands of them that are all related. And anytime there's a death, they'll change the name to another name. And they're not really considered schools. They're not considered hospitals. They're not, they're like in this kind of like gray area so they can get away with it legally because there's not really laws. So they have, Children basically have like no human rights in these places. Oh my God. They're, they're not, it's a cult. Is it, is there like a religious element to it usually? Or? It's very weird. It was called Synanon. This was like in the sixties and it was not religious, like about like loving God or anything like that. It was crazy. Just the kind of rules that this guy would have and making. He was kind of the like head, like this yeah. is the, the guy that like, I guess is you know, the leader of the yes. cult or whatever. And then he opened Sidu, which was the first place that I went to in San Bernardino Mountains. Whoa. Um, and they got shut down because kids were dying there as well. And there's still hundreds of them open or like a bunch of them Thousands. Open. Thousands of them Thousands. open. Thousands. Thank you for opening my eyes to it and talking about because I had no idea. This is Paris. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So speaking of families, mm-hmm. it seems like you and your family are really close. I see like you and your dad, you post like cute videos of him. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys like best friends? We're really close. Yeah, we we, we have a, a, a really cool relationship. I feel like it is, of course, father and son. Um, but I, I grew up watching him, you know, he went from being a pastor to opening his own coffee shop to going and being a loan consultant to working in structured finance and private equity. And he didn't have a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, from birth until I was about 16, 17 years old, well, I moved to LA when I was 15. So really until I was 15, I just watched this guy go from, we, you know, having, no, no money saved, which is still better than most, fam- I think a lot of families right around the planet, but, um, having no money in the, in the savings account whatsoever to actually like saving money and then like moving us out of one house into the, like a slightly bigger house and that house to a bigger house. And, you know, ultimately getting a, us into a position where he was able to move me and my mom to California while he was staying in Florida with my sister. So I watched this guy just work like a motherfucker and with that, um, I think I try to adopt those qualities as well and, and make them a part of my everyday. So when we're together, it 
feels like 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 a like a bro relationship. We mm-hmm. call each other dude and like it's not like yes sir. It was never really like that. My dad always treated me and my sister as adults and as equals. Um so we're yeah, needless to say we are very close. Um and I'm close with my mom as well and um I feel very fortunate. I think I'm a lot closer with my my parents than than I ever really thought that I was. And as I get older, I only get closer and closer mm-hmm. to them. Um, yeah, I feel like also like growing up, I tried to push away from them a lot because they were so sweet to me. Yeah. They did coddle me a lot. And as I got older, I went, I can do this myself. I want to do it myself. And I, I definitely tried to. Um, <laughs> and, you know, when you're, when you're young and you're in LA and you're working and you're making money and you have your own security, you can, uh, you make your choices. You live life on your terms. And, um, and I think I, I realized it took me a little bit too long, I think to realize it, but I ultimately realized like, no, I need to keep my family close and I need to, I need to, you know, start focusing on my career more and, um, yeah, just kind of put my energy into my family more than I, than I had been. Yeah. Family really is everything. And you just realize just how precious time is and everything so I try to spend as much time with my parents as possible because before I was just traveling so much but now that I'm home more and I try to make the time which is nice and you watch them get older too (laughs) my mom it looks so hot and doesn't look but still like it's scary to see like a lot of my friends moms and people are getting so sick and it's just like terrifying yeah it is it is it's like you're you're looking at it in a very real way like for me, at very least, too. Like, I, I, that's the one thing in the back of my head that keeps pushing me. I know. I always get so scared of thinking of that. Getting that call is like so terrifying to think about. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> no. <laughs> Change the subject. Live forever. Abort. Abort. <laughs> yeah, it's what it's really one of those dark things that it, that we all agree to, right? If you you're born, then like you're going to die. Oh. You have parents there too. I'm know. scared for me when I, like, I don't even want to think about it. I'm just hoping it's like not nothing. Like I want it to be something where mm. it's like the afterlife. Yeah. Like it'd be so boring. Imagine just like black darkness. You wouldn't be nothing. there, which is cool. You wouldn't be there to Still. be like, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> if it really was like, you're alive, but nothing you're, you're else. Alive, is. It's just all darkness. This is it. <laughs> Something. Where's the club? <laughs> Your parents are like rolling over in their proverbial nothingness. They're like, God damn it, the club. Not the club again. No, I meant for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, don't I don't know. There's this really there's this really great book called Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um and well, I need to write down both these. Elsewhere, and what was the other one too? A little, a little life. A little life I'll, and elsewhere. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure me. you get. Yeah, I will. Yes. The elsewhere is a little bit younger. It's like a little life is, um, you know, like eight hundred pages, and it's an epic, and it will rip your heart out. And from what I understand, people either love it or they hate it. I loved it. I tend to love books of people when it's when it's so like when there's such a polarity between whether people like or hate something. I always tend to kind of like it. I don't know mm. why. But elsewhere is like, it's 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 an it's definitely adult, but it's written through the perspective of a fifteen year old girl that passes away, mm-hmm. um, and she goes to a place called elsewhere, 
where we age in reverse until we're like seven days old. And then they put you in a boat and they send you back to earth and you get born again to live the next life. And then if you make it to like 70 and you die, you go back to elsewhere and then you live from 70 back down. And it's just this constant like- like, Benjamin Button. Yeah, exactly (laughs) like that. Exactly like that. I love that. But it's it's really, it's a wonderful book and it kind of- it kind of touches on like, oh, hey, like, what if the place that we go to, if we go somewhere after we die is the same place that we were before we lived? Mm-hmm. And it kind of creates an interesting like loop to it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this is the, this is the blip and that's the, that's home, right? And this is the vacation. Um, yeah. It's just like a fun way to think about it. I love that. And obviously we don't know. Unless you know, unless you're not telling us something. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> this is Paris. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm going to definitely send you my book. It's coming out soon. I just wrote my first autobiography. Mm. It's coming out March 14th, but it's really 
really raw, real, like the whole story, everything. It's wow. So, from the beginning. Yeah. That's wild. How long did it take for you to, to write that? Like a year and a half. Really? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, I go That's, into everything, like stuff I've never told anyone. Mm. God, it's got to be so tough. I'm sharing. scared. I know. I'm like, oh. Does it feel good? Yeah, it feels good because I feel that these are stories that I wish that I had this book when I was a teenager, yeah. that I could just read from someone's experiences and, mm. I don't know, maybe learn things to do and things not to do and just get that kind of, I don't know, advice and also let people know they're not alone. Just so many things that I've went through that I've never discussed. I know that so many other women have went through and people in general. And um, it's really, a really uh, powerful story. Yeah. I mean, look like trauma abuse, you know, affects anyone, no matter what they, where they come from, you know, you know, where they live and whatnot. And so I think, especially nowadays more than ever, I think kids are being raised by their, by their peers mm -hmm. with the internet, right? Like if a kid wants to know, you know, the answer to whatever question about puberty and they have a weird relationship with their parents, they're going to ask their friends or they're going to Google it or they're going to find the answer on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And, and that's creating this crazy riff between parents and kids that already existed naturally. Right. And even now it's even bigger and bigger. And so having a, a source material where a kid can go and read and maybe identify with some things that they would never want to talk to their parents about because of their shame or they don't want to talk to their friends about for the same reason or, or, or for any reason that they don't want to talk about it to be able to, I think when you find other people that have been through something similar or have similar thoughts as, as you, you just don't feel as alone, like you're yeah. saying. And it's just important for people to communicate and communicate honestly. I think if there's ever a disagreement, it's usually because someone isn't communicating the right way mm -hmm. um, or holding space for another person's opinion. Um, and the power of just honest communication is overwhelming if we allow it to, to be present in any sort of situation in our day-to-day -day life. So I think that's really, really sick that you're doing an autobiography. Thank you. And it's like, and it's not easy to do. No, definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done. Do you have any testimonies? Do you have any people in there that are like, oh, I was there. Paris was wild in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she interviewed some people. So yeah. we got all the That's stories. Cool. It's like, cool. it will make you laugh. You'll cry. You'll like be like, oh my God. There's just like so many. My life has been so crazy. Very full life. I can imagine. Well, <laughs> it must be. So when did you, did your family, you said New York. So you guys were in New York for a while and then you moved mm -hmm. to LA? I was born in New York and then moved to LA when I was like three then lived in LA till 15 and then moved to New York mm -hmm. till 16 and then mm -hmm. moved to those crazy schools Jesus. till 18. And then I was just, after that, I wanted to just move to LA. Yeah. So I moved to LA at 18. And so LA, New yeah. York. Yeah. Not bad. Mm -hmm. LA, New York. I mean, I, I fell in love with LA because there's so much to do here. And I think it, at first you go, if you're in the nightlife, then you're like, okay, I'll just go to like this club or this club or this thing or that thing. Yeah. 
Or this, I think house parties was really big for me yeah. like when I was younger. Was it the same for you? Totally. I think like LA, that's the thing about LA. Maybe, I don't know what the vibe is in New York because I definitely don't, haven't spent a lot of time there. I didn't grow up there. But in LA, we would call them kickbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's parents are out of town and you just kick it at the house. What we used to do religiously, which was ridiculous, was we would put YouTube on the TV. Mm-hmm. and just shut our brains down and become zombies for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I couldn't believe, like, I look back and I, I've probably spent like a hundred hours just looking at a, a YouTube TV and a TV with YouTube. That yes. Just such a waste of time. Oh, like my parties are definitely different than that. <laughs> I called it pre-gaming and after parties and after after parties. <laughs> I feel like for me, if I ever pre-gamed, half the time it ended up with me just like staying home and just being way too drunk to go out. Yes. I've never really had good, like, like a, I never really had a stopping point. Mm-hmm. It's always like, let's go out and let's have a yeah. great time. Thank God. So nuts. So uh-huh. nuts. But it is, it, I don't know. I think for me, as I get older, I, I want to, um, I want to just, it's hard, right? Because there's, if you have a lot of success, like early on in your life and you kind of go like for me, I guess when I reflect, I was eight, I wanted to be on Disney channel. When I was 15, I made it on Disney channel. And then I was like, well, I would like to be on a show as a series regular. And then when I was 18, I did that. Um, and then I was 21 trying to reflect and I was like, well, I guess I want to be in like movies. And then like all the boys came out and, so by the time I was, I love those movies. They're so <laughs> good. <laughs> They're special. There's something special. So about good. Them. Yeah. And now you're like the teen heartthrob icon. I think I. <laughs> yes. I think I. I think I was. You no. <laughs> so you will always be. But now you're like, the like, I don't know, like hot badass that's the, that's actor. The, <laughs> that's the question, right? The question is like, what now? And I guess that's kind of like yeah. what I was getting. And, but thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. You're killing it. But that's the question is, as I get older, like what, what stories do we want to tell? What do we want to do that, that not just entertains people because hell yeah, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I want to entertain people. I want people to go and watch the, the, the stories that we're creating and be like, oh my God, like that was fucking hilarious or so real, mm-hmm. so honest, so great. Um, but also something that shows the world as it is today. Like I would like to start creating things that when people look back on them in 20 years, they can go, yeah, no, that's what it was like in 2023. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's exactly what it was. And I, I think that's what some of the greatest artists of the human race have been able to do is accurately portray the times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been focusing on over the last four months. Right. Like when it comes to not just like reading things, but developing things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I started a production company with, with one of my best friends, Enzo. What's the name of it? It's called Arkham Productions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, it's, it sounds like Arkham Asylum, but it, it's actually not. Um, although we are all crazy. So <laughs> it, it does kind of make sense. Um, but yeah. And, uh, it has, a, it has a different meaning, but we don't have to go into it. Um, and we're just developing our slate now. And it's cool. It's cool to be on the other end of it where you mm-hmm. go, what stories do we want to tell? What are we genuinely really, really excited about? And how can we do it with, with dope people? So anyway, I don't, know, I don't know why I went on this tangent, but I... 
But I this like is it. the end of it. So. No, I like it. <laughs> I think it's cool that you're, you know, like in front of the camera, but now also getting behind and like taking control. And yeah. I, know I read some interview where you just produced The Recruit. Mm. And mm-hmm. that you would go up to people on set and be like, what can I do to like help make it better on set? And I thought that was so thoughtful and sweet. Uh, someone was talking shit <laughs> on my shit, huh? Someone was airing out my actions. <laughs> no, that's cool. Thanks. Um, whoever said that, maybe Amelia. Amelia was saying that. Laura was saying that. Too. <laughs> it's a lie. I just, it's a total lie. No, I, I don't know. It was, it was really an educational experience to be an EP on the recruit. I mean, to be able to be in on conversations and meetings that they're having about production design and and pre-production location scouting text, like learning the politics of of working with a city, um, whether it's Vienna or whether it's Montreal to get something made, um, dealing with scheduling and rescheduling and re-rescheduling and um, working with you know, different actors and getting them into town and out of town at the right time and then getting episodes delivered and changing those. There's so much that I got to just bear witness to that I had never been a part of before. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just highly educational. Um, and I really appreciate Alexi, um, Alexi Holly, who's our showrunner and our, the writer of the show, also an EP, um, for allowing me in those conversations and to, and to listen and learn underneath him. Um, because I'm going to take it forward without a doubt. Um, and that's really what I'm down for. Like, I'm just down to learn more about it. I want to, I, I've been working since I was eight, but I also feel like, I also feel like I got success really fast, even though it was a long time since I was eight to, you know, now to call it 22, it's all the boys. It, it felt fast. It felt like I, I, I didn't really earn it. I feel like it was kind of just given to me, even though I worked really hard for it, it still feels that way. And so I want to do justice to the art form and I want to become a student of it because I never really got to study it. I kind of just was working and I got all my knowledge from experience of being on a set which is incredibly valuable, arguably as if not more valuable, right? Because you can learn things in a class, but until you go to law school, until you're in the courtroom, maybe you don't really know what you're doing, right? Mm. You know how to take the stand, if that's even the right term, which I should know, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, I guess that's, that's where I'm at. I'm in a phase where I just want to learn and, 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 yeah, and feel good about what I'm doing. Do you do acting classes? I used to. I don't, I don't do them anymore. I've been thinking about going back, though. I went to a couple. I hated it. Really? I just hate when they do that thing, the technique where you're like sitting in the chair and you're like staring at each other's eyes and you don't even know the person and you're just like going back and forth. like Saying the same shit. Yes. I'm like literally looking at the person like this is so fucking on. I never want to come here again. I hate this. I think that's called Meisner. Meisner technique. Yes. Meisner technique. It's I, like, like you're sitting. I'm sitting. Hate. I see you sitting. You yes. see me sitting. <laughs> so whack. <laughs> when I went to theater school, I think we did like one class on that. I did a theater school in middle school a really long time ago. It's interesting. There's so many different techniques to acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned from someone called Sarah Mornell and she developed her own method called the Mornell method. Um, and it changed my life. It was, uh, I really attribute, you know, any little bit that I know about acting from, from her. 
Mornell method. M O R N E L L method. Okay. Yeah, she's badass. And she's cool too. Like, she's not going to be in there and try to get you to feel something you don't feel. Her whole thing is like, we learn how to act every day. Like, like I identify with what you said when you said that you feel like you're an introvert that learned to be an extrovert. Like, mm-hmm. that we just learn to act. We learn how to survive. We learn how to be in front of people a certain way. Um, and her whole thing is, well, let's figure out how you act in your day-to-day life. And let's figure out how much of that is you and how much of that is taught. And then let's just take away the filter. Let's take away that and get to the truest version of you. And then we'll start from there. And it, it creates this really natural sense of, you got to know yourself mm-hmm. and you have to, you have to have respect for yourself. Um, and respect and you have to defend yourself en- enough to allow yourself to be yourself unapologetically mm-hmm. and on camera that translates to an honest performance. And that's her, that's part of her method. It's developed quite a bit, but I haven't, I haven't, I've, I, we keep up and we talk and, um, but I haven't been to one of her classes, I think in too long. I think I should probably go back just to learn. Yeah. Well, I've watched all your projects and it seems it works. It's still working. <laughs> Thank you. She'll be very happy to know that. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go check that out. Thank you, Noah, for coming on the podcast. That was so much fun. And everybody make sure to check out The Recruit, which is streaming now on Netflix. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to This is Paris. We love hearing from you. So leave us a review. Send an email to paris at iheartradio.com. Leave a voicemail at 833-87-PARIS. And follow us at This is Paris Podcast. Bye, babes. Follow Paris at Paris Hilton and follow Hunter March, host of Eve Nightly Pop at Hunter March. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.